For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. You're tuned in to another episode of the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. I'm your host, Joe DeLeon, joined by NFL Draft analysts Alex Gilstrap and Brian Roberts. Today's episode, yet another positional preview for the 2021 draft class. We are finally on the defensive side of the football, a very unique group to discuss today, that being the interior defensive linemen, the defensive tackles, however you would like to classify this group. Last year in 2020, we had one guy at the top that was incredibly talented, a large entity, if you will, that could move very, very well in Derrick Brown, ended up going to the Carolina Panthers in the top 10. Well, this year we have Marvin Wilson out of Florida State, who some are saying might be better than Derrick Brown, or at least comparable in draft stock. Where do we sit on Marvin Wilson? Because that has to be the first guy that we discuss on today's show. Ryan, are, do you think that Wilson compares to Derrick Brown in terms of where he could get selected and maybe in terms of talent? So I, I think that from a technical perspective, I think that Wilson is is clear and above Derek Brown at the moment. So I think his hands are much better. I think he stays compact in his frame. He, he, his pad level is nice. Like there's just a more consistent approach to the game than I think Derek Brown. I, I would say though, if we're just matching these guys up, you know, from an athleticism perspective, I think Derek Brown has a higher ceiling. I think he's a more impressive athlete for his size. I think that Wilson might be slightly more flexible to a degree, but I think that the, the overall impact that both guys can have I, I would take Derek Brown if you know when he puts everything together I think he's just a more gifted athlete but I really do like Wilson I, I think that it's a very good conversation between the two and if you're just talking from a technical perspective I think that Wilson is is a little more advanced right now than Derek Brown is well for for me you have Derek Brown who is known for his strength and and obviously you know that plus athleticism for that position which made him such a highly touted prospect and in Marvin Wilson, I see a lot of the same things. I see similar strength as far as what he can do with his hands to to big offensive linemen. I actually tweeted out a video of him going one on one against Makai Becton, where he just grabs him by the by the shoulder pads and throws him on the ground. I mean, we know how big Makai Becton is. So for <laughs> for for me, for me, I think there's there's similar strength. Uh, you know, there's a similar conversation to have about their their strength, and I think. You know, Ryan, you said I don't. You don't think he has much ups as much upside based on his his. You know, for lack of better words, lack of athleticism relative to Derek Brown. I think they're very similar in that regard. I think I think the biggest difference between them is is I think that Marvin Wilson has a better plan with his with his ability to shed blocks. I think he he knows how to utilize his hands a little bit better than what Derek Brown did coming out of college. So for me, I actually have him. I 
projected, obviously. We, we still are hoping for a 2020 season, have another year of growth. I think Marvin Wilson's going to come out as a better prospect, a higher-graded prospect for me than Derrick Brown did. Um, do I think he can get drafted higher than Derrick Brown? Just being at the position they're at, being in, you know, you know, not a highly touted position, some a, a position that uh, is is highly valuable for the NFL. I don't know if he can if he can beat out Derrick Brown as far as draft position. I think it, this you're, at the end of the day, you're going to see a similar draft position for the two. But uh, I, I project that Marvin Wilson is going to be a better prospect when it's all said and done for sure. Before the show, you guys were talking about how deep and talented this group is, how much you really like the interior group. Where do you guys sit on how many guys could possibly go in the first round? Is it going to be a lot more than last year? Is it going to be a good number? Or is some of that, that depth coming in, in day two in rounds two and three? Ryan, are you a fan of where this, this class looks right now? I mean, I, I think that it's comparable to last year's class. I really like the 2020 group as well. You know, you talked about Derek Brown and, um, you know, uh, uh, what's Javon the, Kinlaw. Javon Kinlaw. I don't know how I spaced in Javon Kinlaw's name, but <laughs> you talked about the couple guys up top who were extremely talented. I, I compare it a little bit to this year's class. I think that there's going to be between like two or three guys probably in the first round conversation in general. And then, like you said, Joe, I, I think that the real – the big group, right, is that day two cluster of second to third round guys. I think it's an incredibly deep class, similarly to what I thought of last year's class. I was a big fan of the depth of, of the 2020 group. I think 2021 is very similar, but I think that the, the real appealing part, too, is you know we'll talk about a couple of these guys that might have the chance to have their name in the first round conversation. But I think, again, it's that second, third into the day three type of conversation where there's just so many different players and I'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit later. There's so many different body types and play styles, right? There's This class for nose guards is one of the best I can remember. There is so many guys that in a 3-4 front can play a true zero and do some great things. And then there's a bunch of flexible athletes that I think project more to that 4-3, 3-tech type of role as well. So there's a body type, there's a play style for everyone, and I think that it's incredibly deep overall. I'm glad you made that point. I mean, the the class, there's so many different play styles, like you said. Um, I mean, I foresee probably six or seven guys that even have the potential to be in the round one conversation come April. I mean, I'm not willing to put, put my foot on the board and say that there's going to be five or six guys taken in the first round. But there's 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 a handful of guys that I can see being put in that first round conversation. When it's all said and done, I think there will probably only be about three, like Ryan said. However, I, I, I have so so much hope, you know, I have high hopes for very, I mean, quite a few guys in this class for sure. And, I mean, there's some guys that missed out on my top five that I'm kind of disappointed didn't. And it, that just shows the depth, like Ryan said, of that day two range of, uh, of guys. I think this is going to be a really, really good group. Like we do every show before we decide to discuss – your top five rankings for the interior defensive line. We like to share some sleepers, some guys that maybe aren't getting talked about enough, maybe players from smaller schools. Ryan doesn't have a Division II prospect for today's show, but still a small school. Ryan, who is your interior defensive line prospect? So it's my second guy of this these sleepers that we keep talking about. I talked about Rico Bussey from North Texas, and he obviously he's a transfer, but another North Texas guy for me, Dion Noville, who plays in an odd man front, He's that true nose, can play some one tech. He he has a ton of um, 
ton of skill set as far as what we're talking about playing that true zero, right? He's super strong, listed 6'4", 315 pounds. I'm here to tell you guys, if you haven't seen him yet, there's no chance that he's only 315 pounds. He's definitely closer to 340, I would say. He's a huge, huge young man. Uh, can do everything with winning the leverage battle at the point of attack, gains extension, has good, solid hands. But I think the thing that really pops off the screen is he was a former defensive end recruit. He showed up at North Texas at only about 270 pounds, and he's been able to put on so much weight during that time to play in their odd man front. And I think that he's a, be- a better athlete than what your typical nose guard is. I think that this kid can move a little bit. He's a little more flexible than you might think. My only thing about him is is a little more awareness, right? Like he gets in solid position, and then he just gets hung up on blocks once in a while just because I feel like he his body is a little disjointed to his eyes sometimes, if that makes sense. So – Dion Noville, North Texas. We actually have him on the podcast for the Thursday interview, so I would definitely tune into that. He's a really interesting player. Again, 6'4", 315-plus pound, play an odd man front. I think he can play a little bit in the even front as well, but he's just a really strong young man who I think has some untapped potential kind of moving down the road here. Ryan, you must be a closeted North Texas fan or something because that's that's two guys now. Is there a third guy that's going to be on uh, on your sleeper list coming up soon? Nah, man. The only other guys are wide receiver Jalen Darden, but we already talked about okay. receivers, so so we're clear. Uh, we're clear. North Texas guys for a while. Okay, okay. I'm I, gonna I'm hold d- you to that, Alex. Who you got? <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely gonna have to check out that tape. I haven't I haven't gotten around to him. Uh, well, I wrote down who I was gonna talk about is Aleem McNeil out of NC State. However, I, I I got to listen to some other podcasts, and it seems like a name that's starting to circulate. So I don't call him a sleeper anymore, but he definitely deserves to be talked about on this podcast. I mean, he. Super athlete. I think he's got so much upside. So, like I said, he's being talked about. So, I'm going to veer away from that. And y'all don't even know about this. I'm going to go Corey Durden out of Florida State. Everyone talks. Everyone talks about. Yes, yes. Everyone talks about (laughs) Marvin Wilson, and rightfully so, because Marvin Wilson's a a first round prospect, certified. But Corey Durden's got some upside. I mean, he's produced. He's put up, you know, some plus plus games against some quality opponents. And I love his athleticism for such a big boy. Uh, you know, so so Corey Durden, I think he's what six five, three oh five, three ten, somewhere in that range, and and you know, I I, I just, he kind of popped off on tape when watching Marvin Wilson. I was watching um the Virginia game, and you know, he had a, he, I think he had he was in the backfield multiple times making plays, and as, as well as the Arizona State game, I was watching. Uh, figured out that Marvin Wilson wasn't playing late in the season, but I wanted to see if any other. Florida State guys popped off at the end of the season, so I watched the bowl game, and he popped off again with multiple tackles for loss and and I think a half a sack, if I'm not mistaken. So I really like this guy. I think he's a he's a backfield producer. I think he's gonna see he's gonna see his name rise. I think he's just being overshadowed by Marvin Wilson uh, right now. So look out for him in 2020, hopefully. Joe, can I get one more guy since since Alex gets two guys I'm, apparently for sleeping? <laughs> Alex is over here breaking rules. So, yes, you get a second guy if you have one prepared. Uh, yeah, oh. this, this doesn't follow the rules over here, Alex. <laughs> all right, we break, we break rules on the podcast. I'll say real quick on Alex's notes, right, like all the guys that we just kind of talked about a bunch, Marvin Wilson, Corey Durden, and Aline McNeil even Alex mentioned, all guys that were like Aleem's number 29, Marvin Wilson's 21, Durden's 16. It's so awesome to see the big men actually wear athletic yes. um, numbers. It's awesome. So in that note, I'm going to go to University of Central Florida, who, a guy that I actually just saw last night that I tweeted about pretty late last night. Kenny Turnier, I think is how you pronounce his name. It's T-U-R-N-I-E-R. Number seven, great number, 6'4", 
285 pounds. Again, he plays. Oh a, man, he plays an end in that three four system. And I'll tell you what, man, this dude is an athlete. He moves. He moves very well. He had like 13 and a half tackles for loss for the team last year too. So it's pretty productive. I didn't know a bunch about him. But I'll tell you what, man. Like I was talking with um with a friend of the pod, Rudy Carpenter, about him a couple days ago, and he kind of tipped me off and said, "Yo, man, you need to go watch number seven for Central Florida." So flipped on the tape. There's a whole lot to like about there, man. He's he's not there physically as far as I think that he can put on a bunch more weight on that frame. But the dude is a nice looking athlete on the hoof. I, I really did a, like a lot of what I saw, and like I said, he's a really flexible, explosive athlete on the interior. So we got two sleepers from each guy. Different thing that we're doing on today's episode. Just breaking all the rules. But two very good players that you should be paying attention to for possible sleepers coming up for this next draft class. Guys, let's get into the thing that the folks are here to listen for, which is your top fives. Now, the back end, like we usually do, we'll share those. And then you guys are going to guess each other's top threes. Alex had Jalen Twyman from Pitt and then Levi Onwuzarike from Washington, Ryan conversely, Jalen Twyman, uh, Twyman at, from Pitt at four also, and then Tyler Shelvin, number five from LSU. So you, you guys are in agreement here on that number four spot with, with Jalen Twyman. What makes you so confident in him to be that, that solidified four spot for you guys? Well, for me, it's it, it's actually kind of interesting that we both have him at four because I feel like a lot of people have him in their first round, clearly in the first round, some in the top 20 overall prospects and, and being that number two defensive tackle. So I'm kind of interested that uh, I thought I was going to be low on him for this podcast. I thought I was going to have to defend why I wasn't very interested in him uh, it, relative to what other people are definitely. I, I think he's a very good prospect. I think he's someone that's going to be a round two grade for me if, you know, as, as long as he doesn't go crazy in 2020. Um, but I think he's kind of maxed out his build. I think that's one thing for him being um, where he is. And I don't see much room for improvement from a size, strength, speed standpoint. I think I think if you, if you were to add strength, you're losing out on some of that athleticism that he has. I think he's kind of maxed out as an athlete. He has a great build right now. I don't love him in run defense. I think he's a plus pass rusher, and I think that's a lot of the problem I have with some defensive tackles, and this is one thing that I've always kind of stood by when evaluating the position is, first and foremost, your job is to stop the run. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, if you're a defensive tackle, your job is to stop the run. That's that's first and foremost. If a guy can rush the passer, that's just an added bonus. And I feel like Jalen Twyman's one of those one of those prospects that has the cherry on top but doesn't have the ice cream. So, so right now I, I have a prospect that has whipped cream and a cherry, but I, I don't get to enjoy any of the ice cream. And, and that's what you need uh, to be successful in the NFL. So I'm a little bit lower on him. I do still see the upside uh, in what he can be. I just need to see him play better against the run. You know it's defensive line week when we're dropping ice cream references when talking about <laughs> prospects. Yeah, <laughs> Ryan, what do you what do you think of him? <laughs> I, I mean, I was going to ask Alex: Is there any hot fudge on there at least? Or? <laughs> no, I mean, definitely, definitely. I mean, you see the pass rush upside, and that's why that's what everyone's excited about. You, everyone loves sacks, uh, but I need some more tackles for losses for me personally. I, I mean, so when I'm watching Jalen. I feel like I'm on the same wavelength with Alex on this one. Like, again, he's 6'1 and a half, 290 pounds, and he's well proportioned. He's a physical build. He's probably maxed out, like Alex said again. I, 
I don't think that there's a ton of physical development that could happen there. I think you kind of he is what he is. Now he's a good athlete. I don't think he's a great athlete. I think his first step is is good. I think that he's got a decent enough flexibility. I think he's a good interior defensive lineman as far as as far as um athleticism concerns, right? So, and we're looking at the the sacks. Sometimes sack production can be a little misleading. I do think that the one positive that I took from it is from a pass rush perspective, he does win early in reps a lot, which is very translatable, right? A lot of guys you see very them true. get some uh, cleanup sacks or coverage sacks. And while that's nice, you know, obviously getting to the quarterback, bringing him down, it's not as translatable to consistent success. You want to see a guy that wins early on in reps to continue to accumulate those statistics on a year-to-year basis. So I think Jalen Twyman is a very smart football player. I think his hand usage is nice. I think he has some some tools in the toolbox as a pass rusher. I agree. I don't think that he's a great run defender. I think that he doesn't have a lot of length to him. I think that he has some natural leverage, but he do, he's not a guy that is able to consistently press, find the ball, get, get a blocker off you. Like, that's not his game. So – I think that he is a good football player. I don't think he's ever going to be a dominating run presence, kind of again like Alex said. But I think that the, what he gives you as a pass rusher, I, I think that there's more that he can give you in a run game if he's asked just to play in a gap and and you know just use his athleticism to his advantage. So I think there's some untapped potential as far as tackle for loss production. But at the end of the day, this guy can get after the passer, so teams are really going to value him. You know, we talk about quarterback play a lot. Quarterbacks would much rather deal with edge presence than interior presence with the football with the um, pressure right in their face. So I like Jalen Twyman quite a bit, just not enough to unseat a couple guys a little higher for me. Guys, let's get into guessing your top threes. Alex, I'm going to allow you to go first here in guessing Ryan's. What do you think is his top three for interior defensive line? Yeah, so this is hard. So I actually talked to Ryan a little bit about Jay Tufele, who would be in this conversation as potentially a top three guy, uh, but he j- he didn't seem too excited about him. So I'm going to go away from that. I'm going to go number one, Marvin Wilson. I don't think he could have anything else. Ah, oh, God, I'm so hesitant. Number two, I'm going to go with Christian Barmore, number three, Christian Barmore out of Alabama. Number three, I'm going to go with who I have at five, Levi Onwuzurike out of Washington. All right, Ryan, how about you? Who do you think Alex has as his top three? So I do know that Alex loves J2 Fele. So I'm going to say J2 Fele, number three, Christian Barmore, number two, and then I'm going to go with Marvin Wilson, number one. Wow. You guys both got each other's top threes. Is that the first time that we've done this? I, did we do um, last week? Quarter, quarterback. I think he did. No, but we did often. No, it was quarterbacks last week. You're right. Yeah, so this is the second straight week where you've predicted the top selections of, of, of both of your guys' uh, groups here. So the, the one thing that I want to I wanna unpack here. So we talked a little bit about Marvin Wilson. The key outlier here is that you both agree on Christian Barrymore, too. What stands out to you from Barrymore? that puts him into that number two spot behind Wilson? And where could he fit overall in a, a first round in the top 32? So I, I think that Christian Barmore, as long as there is a season to be had here, I think that he can unseat Marvin Wilson at number one for me. I really do. I think the flashes are pretty insane. I think that he's got a body 6'5", 320-plus pounds, where he could play all over the defensive line. I think he can go zero all the way out to five. I think there's so much versatility that you can do with him. It's just for his sake, 
right? Like he only started the last four games of last season as a redshirt freshman. So he's a bit of a wild card and everyone's kind of hyping him up as that guy that could potentially do it. I tr- I'm buying into that. I feel like I, I tend to stray away from like those types of hot takes, but I am buying into that one because I've seen so – he reminds me a little bit of Marcel Darius when he was at Alabama. I really kind of just see some comparison with him from a body type, athleticism perspective. I think there's so much talent to be had. And for me, I think that eventually he could unseat Marvin Wilson, but for now I'm putting this this – athletic upside at number two because I just think, again, any system all the way out from zero to five, I think there's a ton that he can do. I think he's a special athlete potentially on the interior. I think that he's going to cause a ton of havoc um, and tackle for loss numbers. I I don't know if he's ever going to be a high-volume sack guy, so that's why I kind of compared him to like a Marcel Darius. I think Darius had like one 10-sack season when he was in NFL, but like for the most part, he was like a four to seven-ish type of sack guy. Like That's kind of like his ballpark. But as a run defender, I think that this kid's potentially special. So Barmore for me was the easy number two. Um, I love I like a lot of what he brings to the table. Yeah. So my f- my first couple notes on Christian Barmore, and I and I'm telling y'all, we, we don't talk about our top fives before the show. This is we have like a really strict rule. So it's I'm really I'm really excited to to see that uh, that Ryan sees this very similar to me. Christian Barmore can unseat Marvin Wilson. My first two notes I have here. More reps across the season. I mean, that, that was clear as you watched throughout his tape. Uh, throughout the season, he he became more and more of a focal point of this defense. And he quick wins for days. I mean, this guy can get through a gap and get in the backfield in a hurry. I, ha- I have in all caps, backfield disruptor. This guy lives in the backfield when he's when he's playing. I, I'm, I'm a really big fan of Christian Barmore. Like, like Ryan said, the athletic upside – is really really intriguing, and especially with the limited number of stat, snaps that we were able to see on tape, uh, I think I think he's just he's just a backfield disruptor. I think he gets skinny well. I think he he's a good enough athlete to perform stunts. We saw that throughout his tape. Um, really, the only thing I want to see more, and, and Ryan, you can probably attest to this watching his tape, is I want to see him finish plays behind the line of scrimmage a little bit more. I think he had the opportunity for probably eight more sacks than he finished with, or you know, eight, you know, double digit more tackles for loss. And of course, some of some of those times, you know, some of the time you're going to miss a tackle, or or he's going to slip out of your hands, or whatever. But this guy seriously could have easily had eight to ten more sacks on the season, and that's just that's just a testament to how easily he got in the backfield against against some of the best competition i don't watch film on the lower level competition i try to watch the most nfl uh like uh offensive lines when i'm watching these defensive linemen and and this guy lives in the backfield when he's on the football field so i want to see him play more reps you know i want to see more of you know more playing more of usage usage rate being higher um and i want to and i want to see him finish at at in the in the backfield a little bit more but i'm a really really big fan of christian barmore ryan i'm curious to hear why you had levi on on at number three for you and alex was a little not as uh interested in him where he had him at five. So what pushed you to put him at three? Uh, so Levi is, he's my flavor, man. Like we talked a lot about Justin Matabike coming out of Texas A&M, like leading up to last year's draft. I see a lot of parallels there. And I'll tell you, Levi is six foot three, 288 pounds. He has a frame where he can legitimately put on, in my opinion, 20, 20 to 25 pounds without losing any bit of athleticism. So I'm looking at him and I'm like, 
Dude, this guy is a special athlete. Like, I know we talked a little bit this morning, right? And, and he was one of the guys that I kind of dropped into the chat as a guy that I think potentially is the best athlete in the interior defensive line class. I think this kid is a legit 4'8", 4'9", guy. I think he's going to test out of the gym whenever he goes to the combine. So Washington uses him terribly. They play an odd man front. He's asked to two-gap a ton. This guy has length to do it. I think that in, in a three-down system, he can survive. But I am waiting for this guy to find a team, a three, a four-three team, a, a, a sorry, an even man front that is going to put this guy at three tech, take the shackles off, and let him go. Because you see some 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 moments on film where this guy splits a gap and he is out, and there is no possibility of offensive lineman recovering because he's just too special of an athlete. This is a little more projection. This is why we say don't scout, don't scout the box score because when you look at the numbers, you would assume without watching him that he's probably not a great athlete. He just holds the point of attack, and that's all he does. This guy is not that. There is some legitimate potential here. I think that he's going to be a much better pro than he is a college player because I think that an NFL team is going to see those talents that he has it's, you know, use them to the highest ability. They're not going to ask this guy to two-gap at the next level, even though he can. They're going to ask this guy, get in a gap, be an athlete. I think that he could potentially be a six to eight sack a year guy, not an incredibly high volume, but I think that he has a ton of rush potential. I think that there is so much more for Levi on Wuzurike to hit. I'm excited, and I, again, I, I kind of just feel a little similar to you that I thought, thought about Matibike coming out last year. I think that there's untapped potential. He's used a little incorrectly, but I think when you really look at him comparative to some of these second-tier type of guys in this class, because for me it's Marvin Wilson and then the flashes of Barmore are kind of near the top. The second group, right? We're talking again about Jalen Twyman and um, J2 Fele and, and Tyler Shelvin. I think that the most athletic upside is Levi, and I, I'm really buying into it right now. Yeah, so I completely agree, and I, I'm a huge fan of Levi on Ruzurike. I mean, you said – Almost everything that I have in my notes, I put, I need to see added weight, and I can because this guy has room to fill it out, just like you said. I mean, this guy is a super explosive athlete. I love what he does. Like, his plan of attack is really intriguing to me, too. He has plenty of pass rush moves and counters. You know, I saw him throw around the spin a few times on his tape. You know, I, I really, really love this, this the athleticism of this guy. Moves laterally really, really well. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm with you on Levi on Ruzurike. He is, he is maybe 20 pounds of added, you know, lower body muscle. Cause like, I think his biggest flaw right now in his film is, is I don't think he works well in a phone booth. I think he, he struggled a little bit against Oregon specifically Shane Lemieux, who was a 20, uh, 2020 prospect who was known as a mauler. Like this guy is just physical at the point of attack. And I think he struggled, a few, you know, in a few reps against him. And I think, I think some, some good added weight uh, will help, will help that. And I think that's really his only concern. And that's where I get to J2 Fele, who I think is very similar as far as he just needs to fix one thing. And I think he's a clear first round guy. Um, J2 Fele, I think he's super athletic as well. I think, you know, we, we talked in the chat, we said that if you're talking most athletic, it's between, between Levi Onwuzurike and J2 Fele as being the most athletic interior guys in this class. You know, you said that you think uh, Onwuzurike can run four eights, four nines. I said that in the chat as well. I think J2 Fele can run in the, the high four eights, low four nines. This guy, when he when he gets off his block and he's chasing down a ball carrier downfield, I mean, he is moving. He accelerates. 
uh, and that's just a testament to his athleticism. I think I think this guy's super, super strong too. I think that's where he's better than Levi Onuzurike right now. I think Onuzurike has a higher ceiling uh, as far as his, his his complete play style, but I think Tufele has that strength right now. The biggest thing with Tufele is playing with leverage. I, I think he he stands he pops straight up out of his stance. Too consistent for me. I need to see him work on his technique as a as a as a pass rusher and, and you know, or just really at the point of attack altogether. I think he he's too upright. I need to see him play with a little bit more leverage, especially um, as the game wears on and the, the fatigue starts to set in. Cause I think that's where both of these guys that we're talking about can struggle as I, you know, the the flashes they show in the first quarter are not the same flashes they show in the third. So uh, so just you know, kind of working on that 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 um, consistency with leverage, I think, is the biggest thing with Tufele. But I, I already love where he's at from a size, strength, and speed standpoint. Um, whereas I think Onuzurike needs to add a little bit more strength to his game, uh, like you mentioned as well. Well, that's all we have for this defensive line discussion. I hope you enjoyed our conversation here about the best interior defensive lineman for the 2021 draft class. We have another episode coming out on Thursday, as we always do. Interviews. Uh, Ryan already hinted at the fact that Dion Noville is one of our defensive tackle interviews. Make sure you check that out on Thursday. Also, make sure you go follow us on social media. You can follow me at Joe DeLeon. You can follow Alex at Alex Gilstrap. And you can follow Ryan at Rise, the letter N, Draft. Also, follow Believe Podcasts at B-L-E-A-V Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. And head to their website, believe.com to find our show as well as hundreds of other amazing shows wait for thursday for that next interview episode of the believe in nfl draft prospects podcast Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.